Hello, and welcome to the Artsy Podcast, where three editors take you around the art world. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan, joined for a very special edition of the podcast by editorial director Marina Cashton. Hi, Marina. Hi, Isaac. And deputy editor Alex Forrest. Hey, Alex. Hey, Isaac. So both of you are in Miami for Art Basel in Miami Beach uh, and their related festivities, including numerous satellite fairs, museum exhibitions, and more. Um, But maybe for some of our listeners who are living under the uh, proverbial art world rock and might not know what Art Basel in Miami Beach is, can you just give us an intro? (laughs) Um, Well, for for friends of the show, um, they will know by now that uh, Art Basel is a series of, of three fairs around the globe started in, in Basel, Switzerland. Um, Art Basel in Miami Beach, as you said, opened up. Um, this is its 15th, 15th edition. Um, and they also have a fair in Hong Kong now. It's been going for several years now. Um, it's you know the kind of preeminent fair around the world and continues to have you know a, a lasting impact on the art world. It's the, the way that we kind of send off um, the year every year down here in Miami for, for a week in the the sun and fun capital, as the mayor was was saying yesterday. So, Marina, I, I know you've been going to Art Basel for many years. How have you kind of seen the city change over that time, or even how's how's the fair changed? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think I, I'm not sure what edition this is for me, but it, it's probably been going the last ten years, and it's it's certainly shifted a lot or changed a lot since. I think it really has influenced the city. Uh, in a positive way. I, I'd love you know, to hear from people who live here, and I'm sure there's some people who might feel differently, but it has certainly heightened the, the, the arts and the people outside of Miami who see Miami now as an art destination. The fair itself has definitely gotten bigger. Um, it's also the satellite fairs around the main fair have expanded exponentially. So not only have the, has the main fair and the satellite fairs um, brought people to the city, but it's also helped the city um, just increase the, the, the amount of arts that they're able to offer through private museums, through some of the public museums like PEM and uh, ICA and various other institutions, the Bass. Uh, yeah, it, just the city, it, it's, changed, it's changed incredibly. Um, it's also a really interesting kind of example of how culture can be used as a, as a vehicle for economic development. So one of the things that they've um, repeatedly cited over the years is the kind of, I think it's almost a half a billion dollars, around about a half a billion dollars of economic activity that takes place in Miami um, during this one week, even outside of the, the works that are sold at the fair. And that equates to kind of like, I think, of they said a 4x increase in their tax revenues from resort tax since the first edition of the fair. Um, obviously, that has knock-on effects into the city's infrastructure as well. The Rebel Collection announced earlier this week that they're going to be doubling the size of, of um, their current exhibition space, building a new museum that's going to be 100,000 square feet, and it's going to open in December of 2018. Um, you know, the, the Perez Art Museum Miami, as Marina mentioned, is, is continuing to kind of hone its efforts. Franklin Sermons has had an incredible influence there. And um, George Perez donated an additional fifteen million dollars in in cash and and artworks um, this week as well. Um, and Norman Brayman, who actually was the first was the one to initially bring Art Basel in Miami Beach to Miami, um, has been working alongside his wife and a number of other donors to create a permanent home for the Institute of Contemporary Art Miami, um, which will open next week. They have a a great Thomas Byerless show up this week 
but in a in a temporary building still. So it's it's really been, you know, it's, it's pretty phenomenal to see the impact that you know a fair can have. We kind of, you know, I think fairs are kind of the butt of of many an art world joke. Um, but with Miami specifically, um, this is uh, this is something that's having a real impact on the on the physical infrastructure of a city. Right, and I know that Art Basel has launched Art Basel Cities, which is an effort to partner with cities across the globe to kind of bring uh, year-round cultural programming, a kind of robust year-round cultural programming that maybe has occurred in, in places like Miami to these other cities. So Alex, do you have any updates on Art Basel Cities? What can you tell us about it? There aren't there aren't many updates. Um, Patrick Faure, who's heading up that initiative yesterday, um, was only able to confirm that, you know, as, as they've announced, Buenos Aires is going to be the first place to do it. Um, he's been secretly traveling around the world and, and meeting with cities. But um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. They're going to be organizing some cultural programming there. Um, again, they're being a bit uh, cagey on the details. Um, but, you know, hoping to kind of have the impact or, or some version of the impact they've managed to have in Miami and other cities around the globe um, and, you know, attract the kind of, whether it's, you know, in talent, talent for, for employers that comes with a more vibrant cultural infrastructure um, or tourism, et cetera. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been an exciting thing to watch happen here. And I think there are plenty of cities um, elsewhere that would, would like to capture some of that magic. Yeah, just bringing it back to Miami and, and sort of talking about changes in the city. I know this week the Faena Forum um, opened for the first time. Marina, I also know that you went to check it out. What can you tell us about it? Uh, friends of the show, you probably know that Faena is a six-block development by the Buenos Aires Faena Hotel Group, um, but also has a nonprofit arm, the Forum, which is a multidisciplinary building. Shohai Shigematsu, who's a partner for OMA, which is Rem Kulas's firm, um, was really leading the project, and it's a cluster of buildings, uh, both on the beach, which is where the hotel is located, and then across the street on the creek. And it's really meant to not just parachute in tourists into a compound, which some of these other uh, hotel kind of establishments do, but really engage the community. You know, and the, for the most part, they're really focusing on performance art, which I think also speaks to much of the sort of cultural uh, foundation of the city. The Fiona District is an example of, you know, an organization that really moved to Miami, I think, as a response of the to the fair and and the the various sort of satellite fairs and then thus the the museums and, and private museums that have popped up around here and they too are sort of redefining a district and and they're doing it now in, a, in an area that you know I wouldn't say is was desolate at all but certainly you know has the opportunity to to become more of a cultural center so for those of us who are not at the fair, Alex, I know you, you mentioned this in your fair report, but there's been sort of this emphasis on politics. Um, what can you kind of kind of tell us about how the artists are responding um, to the election and how that's manifesting in the fair itself? Yeah, it was really, really fascinating, actually, because I think in the you know time since November 9th, um, there hasn't been necessarily the, the kind of um, outward response from the art world, at least in, in terms of, of making art. I, mean, I haven't seen that much come out yet. Um, but coming into Miami, uh, a few galleries actually were changing around what they were going to be showing um, in response to the election. Gavin Brown, for example, um, said they had to actually remove what they were going to be showing in a big part of their booth 
um, because it felt inappropriate or kind of tonally off after the election, and instead has installed three pieces by Rickard Tirvanesia, which take the New York Times um, from November 9th, put it out, paste it onto these big canvases and write on it, the tyranny of common sense has reached its final stage. There was another set of works um, by Sam Durant at Blum and Poe that you kind of greeted when you walk into door B um, at the fair by his uh, piece End White Supremacy, which kind of scrawls that out onto this neon orange uh, electric signs. It's kind of backlit and really just slaps you in the face right at the beginning. Over at Sadie Cole's booth, um, Jonathan Horowitz, who um, has made a lot of work about Hillary Clinton, um, made a piece picturing Donald Trump um, golfing, perhaps at Trump National, teeing off um, with a Make America Great Again hat, and uh, he's kind of swinging into a, a fiery sky. Um, and so these were just, a, you know, a couple of the works that we're, we're really grappling with the election. Mark Spiegler, our Basel's director, um, kind of kicked off the fair by noting, you know, the, the necessity for art to engage with these very kind of turbulent and changing times, whether it's, you know, it's not certainly confined to the U.S. election by any stretch, um, you know, mentioning things like Brexit, um, the political situation in Brazil, um, the current controversy engulfing the South Korean government. Um, so certainly, you know, we're not, we're not alone in having some um, political turmoil at the moment in the U.S., um, and that artists, in, in his mind, have a, have a very strong role to play here. I mean, I think it's always interesting to talk about uh, political art in the context of an art fair where, of course, you know, there's, there's cultural programming that extends beyond the marketplace, but ultimately uh, these booths exist to, to sell art. And Alex, I'm just wondering if political art, which has never really been a market darling, um, has found a, a wider audience or a, or a an audience with deeper pockets um, following the election in this edition of Art Basel in Miami Beach? Well, I do know that the the three recruit pieces did sell early on. I believe they were, they were priced at $90,000 a piece. Um, you know, across the fair, there's definitely a feeling that, you know, going into it, people had kind of muted expectations, um, not only because of the uncertainty surrounding the election and at the time when, you know, most people were planning their trips, um, also due to Zika, which has, um, you know, certainly diminished in its uh, in its threat to Miami, that there's a, there's a much smaller portion of the city that even has an advisory at this point in time, um, but definitely something that people kept in mind. Um, the strength of the dollar is something that continues to be um, an, an issue for European and um, British buyers who, you know, to come here and buy something are, are paying a significant markup or, or, or what in real terms them significant markup um, simply because their currency is, is much less valuable than it was um, even a year ago. But nonetheless, um, so far sales have been, you know, moderately strong. Um, there's a big Kenneth Nolan, a really fantastic piece at Aquavella that sold for a million two, a Mark Bradford at Hauser & Wirth for um, two million, I guess a handful of other seven-figure sales. Um, and, you know, many more in the kind of above 500,000 range. So I think people were pleasantly surprised compared to their lower expectations. Clearly, um, the market, you know, continues to not be what it once was. But that was also, I think, you know, you can't, you can't kind of necessarily compare everything to a very inflationary and bloated period. And as long as people can kind of make out well here, I think people are, people are happy to be in Miami and maybe at least catching some sun along the way too. 
Yeah, I mean, Maureen, I'm, I'm looking right now at your Best Booths Roundup, and there's an incredible array here. You know, you've already picked uh, the highlights, but if you had to sort of distill the highlights down to even a, a, a select few, what do you what what really caught your eye? I felt like this year was actually really strong. Um, I know there were some rumblings of people, you know, weren't taking chances. This is Miami. You tend to have things that are a little bit more spectacle. But um, you know, speaking to you know, as Alex just spoke about, you know, art relating to the current political climate or really art that's mining art history. Um, uh, or debate, really a, a fantastic show of new works that was a surprise to me um, from from artists that you know I'm sure collectors are jumping at the bits for but um, some of my personal highlights from the highlights uh, one you know at, at Macaron Gallery uh, there was in I mean mouth-droppingly huge work um, and stunning work um, by Rodney McMillian, who's had an exceptional year. You know, he's had shows at the Studio Museum in Harlem and Institute of Contemporary Art in Philadelphia and MoMA's, MoMA PS1. And I mean, this this work, which is 15 feet by 70 feet, um, just you couldn't ignore it. And it was it was just a feat in terms of not just the application on you know such a huge canvas and the thoughtfulness it went to such a huge piece. But then, you know, that work um, juxtaposing a, a piece of his that's much heavier, the untitled flag piece, where um, the artist embroidered a quote from a former soldier that points to this tension between, you know, the sacrifice of the lives of American soldiers um, for the nation, but then also them not being able to vote because of a simple poll tax policy. And then to something quite a bit lighter, you know, going to the Byler's uh, collaboration with... Um, toilet paper uh <laughs> and marina just to interject um when you say toilet paper you don't mean obviously literal toilet paper you mean a collaboration between uh, two artists yeah good point isaac uh toilet paper is a, a collaboration between uh maurizio catalan and pier paolo ferrari this collaboration or they did with the foundation Weiler, which is a, a museum based in switzerland um was a, a faux apartment setup um sort of new york city size with just the most extravagant interiors so it's kind of the gaudy um maurizio catalan style very f- quite funny tongue-in-cheek um you know a a walk-in bar and then a kitchen overflowing with spaghetti motifs you see frequently in in the toilet paper uh, practice and Maurizio Catalan's practice as well. So you had something like that, and then and then a personal um, favorite of mine was in the survey sector um, at San Francisco Gallery Ratio Three that was featuring uh, works by Margaret Kilgallen, uh, who. Uh, was one of the founders, really, of the Mission School uh, with her husband, Barry McGee, someone I also, whose work I also really love. And um, sadly, Margaret Kilgallen passed away in 2001 of breast cancer, and it's rare that you see her works at a fair. I don't think I've ever seen her works at a fair. And it's rare that you even see her works in the market, so to see um, a booth of her, her works, which are in this very uh, folksy style, and you know, the Mission School really brought the folksy style into the contemporary discourse, I could have been there for for a few hours and, you know, would have taken out my checkbook uh, in, <laughs> in an appropriate time. But, but it, yeah. it was just, uh, you know, that to me was a quiet booth, but... Uh, but one of my personal highlights and I could, I could go on. I mean, there were, there were some great, great booths this year. 
you know, and I think Marina makes a really good point that the the kind of work that's getting paid attention to um, this year and, you know, and increasing over the past few years, but um, is this is this much more kind of serious or, or less in the, in the traditional sense, market friendly um, work? Our Basel in Miami Beach in particular has this kind of reputation for um, selling really gaudy, flashy things. And, you know, for sure there is a giant uh, Jeff Koons uh, Mekagosian stand if that's something that that you want to you want to have in your front lawn um, but I think it's it's been interesting to see really the the focus and tenor of the art world shift in this direction you know it remains to be seen if the market will kind of support this art at the level that that it did crabstraction a couple years ago but it does seem like you know the really serious collectors and and you know to a great extent they've been doing this all along but that those collectors who are um, really looking at this as much more serious work, this much more engaged work, um, are the ones that people are looking to today, and, and that's, the, that's the work that's rising to the surface. I think that just about covers Art Basel in Miami Beach. But of course, people aren't going to Miami just for that one fair. There are an ever-growing number of satellite fairs, museum exhibitions, and cultural events occurring in Miami each year. We're going to talk about a few of them, but first, a short message from our editorial team. Miami may be the traditional end to the art world's annual calendar, but at Artsy, we're not quite done yet. We've teamed up with UBS and Planet Art for the second edition of the Year in Art, the most comprehensive overview of art in 2016. The feature launches later this month, and if you go to artsy.net slash theyearinart, you can sign up to be the first to know when it goes live. You'll also get Artsy's daily coverage of the art world and beyond, delivered straight to your inbox. That's artsy.net slash theyearinart. Enter your email and click sign up. We can't wait for you to see what we've been working on. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to the Artsy Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan, joined from Miami by Editorial Director Marina Cashton and Deputy Editor Alex Forbes. So when Art Basel in Miami Beach started, it was the only fair. Now there are 20 plus satellite fairs. So for those listeners who might not be familiar with the relationship between a main fair and the satellite fairs like Orbit It, um, Alex, can you can you sort of parse out how the two kind of relates. So there are, you know, as you mentioned, many, many different satellite fairs in Miami this week. And, and across, you know, the fair spectrum, there are, uh, most fairs will have one or two. Here, they, they cater to a, a range of tastes, a range of different galleries. Um, you know, some like Nada or Entitled are um, more focused on young emerging art. You know, others are just showing galleries from other parts of the country and across the world. You know, one of the, the kind of great surprises of this week to me has been, um, and, and I'm not saying this just because this podcast is going on a titled radio, I promise you, um, but the, the kind of uh, how, how awesome walking around that fair was um, on Tuesday when, when I first got in. Um, you know, I think as somebody that goes to all of the Art Basel fairs and uh, in Miami and Basel and Hong Kong, the Freeze Fairs in London and New York, and many of these other kind of, you know, big box 
um, situations, you kind of tend to see the same 250, 300 galleries um, in different places around the world. Now, those, those galleries are showing phenomenal work, but they also have a certain, you know, set of artists and a certain way that they tend to show them. People have gotten very good at doing fairs because they do so many of them. And so it can kind of start to feel like you're just seeing, you know, that the art world is that small. Um, and Untitled does a really amazing job of, you know, pulling out galleries from um, small cities. There's a great gallery from Richmond, Virginia, um, ADA gallery that's showing works by Derek Larson. Uh, there's these kind of cool mirrored wall sculptures that look kind of like a robot. Um, they're really fun. Um, and, you know, smaller cities across the globe and just give you a much more kind of I don't know, diverse view of what's happening. You get some fresh perspective and, you know, it's, it's, it's just really refreshing um, sometimes to get out of this very um, core group of, of people that I guess you would consider the kind of art world proper um, and go out into some of the concentric circles around that. So Alex, you mentioned this gallery from Richmond, Virginia that's at Untitled. That's, that's pretty interesting. What other kind of um, galleries and artists are at Untitled that you might not expect to find at, at the main fair? Well, you know, I think it's, it is a range. There are, there are galleries that you definitely find um, at other fairs um, around the world, too, and, and closer to home. So I wouldn't say it's, it's necessarily only galleries that, that you would never find uh, at a major fair. But some of the other things that I thought were really interesting, um, I love these paintings by Nadia Yari um, at Tamar Grain. They're these just like beautifully thick, um, impasted works. Um, they're like leaves in a jungle. It's very, very simple, but just striking when you walk past the booth. Um, those were going for eight to 15,000. Um, she also had these cool paintings on rocks, a um, little sculptural variant uh, of the works. And at Monique Maloche, there was a really fantastic installation by an artist by the name of uh, Ebony G. Patterson, and it takes the aesthetics from um, the, the artist from Jamaica, and um, she's created this installation out of, you know, all kinds of different materials, um, but they, they serve as these shrines to child victims of gun violence. So, you know, again, kind of harking back to that political theme, things that have been happening out in the world. And it wasn't an artist that I was um, personally familiar with and really thought that that was a, an impactful and, and really wonderful thing to see at a fair. And, uh, you know, to jump in, I think that same uh, level of self-reflection that um, Alex is talking about in these works are also really happening, at least from what I've seen across fairs. Um, and I would point specifically to Design Miami here and their initiative in 2017 uh, with the United Nations to really think about sustainable design. You know, one of the things that the executive director of Design Miami, Rodman Primack, said, and this is in Alexa Gotthardt's piece, or recap of, of the fair, but is that um, the fair is about how our lives can be improved through thoughtful design, um, and not just about making something um, but about making something better and more beautiful and also something that's sustainable. Yeah, and you're sort of talking about this theme kind of broadly at Design Miami, but I'm, I'm interested in where it appeared specifically. At what booths did you see? Did you see it manifest? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think Alexa and I 
uh, gravitated towards similar booths because I also found myself at Friedman Benda, um, where the work by uh, the New York-based designer Misha Khan, who we've worked with before, um, was on display, and that's where he collected uh, materials from around the beaches in Rockaway, and then took the materials to Swaziland, where he he worked with local artisans there to weave these together into these objects. Um, uh, but also, you, you know, I could point to Patrick Parrish Gallery, where you saw works by Chen Chen and Kai Williams, um, and also Fort Standard, and then, you know, amongst other other types of themes, like, you know, historical works by older artists, which was great to see, you know, Maria Pergay being one of the ones that I'm personally uh, in love with. But uh, Design Miami also was, was a really thoughtful, really beautifully laid out, strong booths. I'd highly recommend a visit for those who are in town. So we've talked about Art Basel in Miami Beach. We've talked a little bit about the satellite fairs orbiting Art Basel in Miami Beach. What we haven't talked about are all the other things that are happening during Miami Art Week. There are a ton of parties, events, museum exhibitions. I'm wondering, Alex, can you maybe talk a little bit about how um, Art Basel in Miami Beach's reputation um, for this kind of partying is the same or different from other art fairs? I mean, Miami is on a, on a whole different level, perhaps with the exception of the Venice Biennale. Um, you know, the, the number of events and dinners and parties and after parties and after after parties, um, and I'm sure a few after 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 parties too. Um, so are you speaking from experience here? Not yet. I've behaved myself so far this week. <laughs> you know, we'll see. Um, so you're constantly trying to go from one thing to the next. And I think, you know, the common criticism of Miami is that um, people spend more time doing the partying and socializing than they do looking at the art. You know, I think there are plenty of people that come down here now um, who aren't affiliated with the art world at all and are coming for music events. Um, there are plenty of people from fashion labels that are, you know, having activations here um, that may have varying, you know, relationships to art specifically. Um, and there are plenty of people from the art world that come down here for meetings and um, to talk to benefactors and whatnot and may spend 10, 15 minutes, maybe a couple hours um, going to actual fairs. Um, so that's, you know, that, that is a, a point of contention among the art world and, and a little bit of a, a pain point for, for some people um, about how this fair is developed. But on the other hand, I, I actually I actually think that um, the pendulum is swinging, you know, back to the middle again, and the focus is really returning uh, to art and art in a more serious way, and serious not being exclusive um, in any sense, but really sort of those those fashion parties and music and and whatnot. Uh, they do feel like they're starting to become more focused on the art than, you know, the art just being sort of a, a side note because it's it's what, you know, is the connection to this week. You know, and this is partly, like we were saying before, related also to the seriousness in programming and the, the level of quality of programming, uh, art programming through the city. I feel like, at least from my experience, where it was sort of at the height of this Miami party or Miami vortex, really, you know, five years ago, let's say, it's it's sort of swung back a you know a little bit more to the art and the focus being the art and uh, seeing art and experiencing it even if it's at an event, but in a more serious way. Uh, you know, brands be 
putting their their weight behind um, a party that's actually uh, incorporating art in some way or an initiative or a panel or this or that you know it's it's less about just a party for party's sake so so I feel like there there is a, a you know a positive upswing here uh, and you know I, I felt that really um, the last few years in Miami and especially this year well and there's probably an economic component to that and a, and a kind of growing pains component to that too I'd imagine you know if we think about to the times when that that party was full roaring where you know probably just during the housing bubble and just before the the economic or the great recession um and then also you know i I feel like potentially it was it was brands learning how to engage with art in a way that you know the art world felt palatable and thus is is actually effective for them and i guess we're still kind of seeing that come to full fruition no i absolutely agree you know brands becoming smarter um also the audience uh requiring more authentic relationship with art. So I think a combination of all those has made for sort of a smarter approach to how to get oneself to become part of this week in an authentic way. Well, that about wraps it up. Thanks to our guests, Alex and Marina. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks, Isaac. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you have not already. See you guys next time. Our producer this week was, as always, Abigail Kane. The theme music is by Broke for Free.